Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Project Future podcast. In this episode, I speak with brand transformation expert Vicky Young. Vicky is the personification of the can-do attitude and the founder of Nala, a multi-award winning branding agency for a fast-paced digital world. She started Nala in 2010 at the age of 28 with the aim of ensuring the digital revolution was not ignored and has since helped brands globally to transform. Her successes, refreshing candidness and inherent desire to innovate means Vicky's a regular commentator on a variety of topics from business growth to branding and digital innovations. Amongst others, she was awarded the title of Entrepreneur of the Year at the Business Excellence Awards in 2018. In this wide-ranging, inspirational conversation, Vicky explains how a childhood love of drawing led to a focus on graphic design, how winning an award whilst at university gave her an initial platform, the range of experience and insights she gained from working in a small agency, how she grew by being told no, how her family bereavement fast-forwarded her plans, how to build rapport and tender for contracts, why she kept aside a buffer of cash from the outset and how it saved the business, why it shouldn't be seen as a disaster if you have a bad year, how she uses goals and affirmations to drive the business forwards, how COVID-19 changed her perception and measure of success, why it's so important to be able to pivot and not have too many eggs in one basket, and finally, her best branding tips for any new business owner. Vicky's best advice is to believe in yourself and have the drive that will allow you to fulfil your ambitions. And Vicky's also a contributor to my book, Project Future. Let's have a listen. Hi, Vicky. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you here. And as a contributor to Project Future, we've spoken a couple of times before. And, you know, I was so excited to learn about your journey uh, the first time that we spoke. And of course, you know, the excellent branding knowledge that you have. So I'd, I'd love for you to start by telling us a little bit about your journey and where it all started for you. Yeah, sure. So um, my passion um, throughout my childhood was was art, art and design. And um, as a child, I was I was quite sick for a few years um, and was actually wheelchair bound for about a year of that. And during that time, my kind of go to because um, I was quite poorly in bed was was drawing. And so I followed that passion through school, through into art school um, and through into university and I actually chose graphic design as being my sort of uh, my focus because as much as I loved art, I had this pragmatic side where I knew that I had to had to do something that would also earn some money. So um, I balanced my my love of creativity with a kind of pragmatic business head. And off I went to university to study graphic design at Kingston University. Upon graduation, um, I was fortunate enough to win a couple of global awards for my design concepts, which were DNAD awards which are a bit like the design industry um, kind of the design industry version of the Oscars. So which that kind of propelled me into a series of sort of high profile work placements at different agencies, trying to find my feet and nail that first job. 
um, I nailed my first job, which was very exciting, much to my mum's relief after working for free in internships for about six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally got my first job and um, started really learning the ropes at the bottom um, of, of what was then a small agency. I was their first employee and I was at an agency called um, Someone. Uh, based in London, who now have international recognition. But at the time I was their first employee, and I kind of was very much at the beginning, sort of roll my sleeves up, obviously doing design work when I can, but it was very much approach of no jobs too small, really. So I was, um, you know, hoovering the stairs, uh, managing to hustle paper for free off a local printer, and really kind of even sort of cleaning the toilets when I needed to, because, you know, they were just starting out, and I, you know, was was a sort of no job too small sort of approach and really built up my early career there sort of starting off with small clients and you know I think it was three or four years later by the time I left I was working with really big clients like New Look fashion stores um you know collaborating on the Eurostar rebranding so it's a really exciting exciting journey um to be on that, that's amazing and I think where you've gone there you know that's that's such a flow and working in the small business when they were still new must have given you such a, a an overall view of what it takes to run an agency yourself as well yeah definitely I think without my time there I think um I wouldn't have had the insights and the in some ways the sort of gumption and, and balls really to, to do it probably because my internships prior to being hired there were at big agencies um where it would have felt like an impossible dream so I definitely felt that working on a small team did give me insight into, you know, how it could work. That's for sure. Um, and I learned a hell of a lot. You know, I always think, you know, your your first job, you, you learn a lot. I mean, obviously I had part time jobs before then, but it did give me a really good insight into how an agency runs and works and being able to sort of sit next to the FD and, and you know, overhear conversations of what the partners thought and being able to sort of see pitch decks it. You know, at larger agencies, you just wouldn't get that insight into. So, yeah, it was it was really, really beneficial. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And and certainly, you know, going back in my career as a project manager, I was fortunate from early on that, you know, as, as a kind of an assistant, if you like, to senior people and as a, as a note taker or minute taker within senior meetings, you know, I, I got that visibility too. So I absolutely empathise mm. with you there. Just being around decision makers and seeing the thought process and the whole journey that goes into making those decisions. If you pay attention to what's going on around you, then it's, you know, it's, it's an incredible education and it's, and it's all there for you to kind of assess. And, you know, I, I certainly found myself relatively early on anticipating what the answers would be and seeing if they agreed with me, if that made sense, even though I was silent <laughs> in the room and just, and just, just kind of capturing what the outputs were but I was I was always thinking about I wonder if they're going to say that and then if they did I thought oh, okay you know I, I'm onto something here you know so it's <laughs> uh, I think it's a, it's a really interesting uh, view and and certainly gives you that visibility now jumping back a few minutes mm. I, I think the, the the awards uh that you you took early on I'd, I'd love it if you can share a bit about that and you know how you applied for those and then how indeed you know you you use that to help get the initial internship because I think that's uh, awards are great and I know you've got a number of awards now and but how did that first start for you? Yes yeah, so um, really it was part of the university they were kind of sort of said oh you know look there's some global awards that you can enter and they all had their sort of brief and you had to answer creatively and the the reason why the university highlighted them is because they understood that they're a great foot in the door for your first job and so they kind of broadcast that, you know, that, that you could enter them. And, and, and most of the people in my class did enter them. And it was quite an interesting process because it was a sort of live brief, but open as well. And obviously had a deadline. And, and it was in the days when <laughs> this is sort of almost pre-internet. So it was in the days where you would do your response. and You'd actually have to physically go and deliver it to London to this destination address and sort of hand over your work for the judging. There was no online submission oh. in that time. And um, it was a really great process because the briefs were written by either clients or agencies, so professionals in the world. 
out there doing the job or, or being part of the, you know, needing the job to be done. And it was a really great experience because it allowed you to kind of work on a, on a real life thing and also have the pressure of, the, of a real life deadline. And for me, it was quite an interesting process when I was working on that because my tutors were, art, art school can be, especially design school, it can be, it can be very shaping in the sense of you get quite a lot of no's. So I remember my first stab at this project, um, which was to design a, a bag that represented um, this paper company's papers. And so my initial approach, I did, I did some design concepts and took them in and, and my tutor, I think her words were at the time uh, were quite cutting. I think she was literally lost for words. And then she said, it's, it's just awful. Um, you, yeah. you need to you need to do this again so I think design school was great at really giving you the kind of brutal feedback that you need to survive in a, in a world because as a designer you, you're kind of pouring your heart into something reshaping something and then someone else turns around and says no I don't, I, it's not right or it doesn't fit or we've not chosen you and it, and it's it's quite crushing and you need to really build up that strength and determination and oh my god has that training helped me in in running a business so went went back to the drawing board re, redid it again and the next time I showed her quite nervously you know she was like you know what do you think now and I said well I think it's better but to be honest I've been working all night on it and I, I'm not even sure and she said I think it's a winner and she was like, absolutely, let's get this submission in and uh, put it in, Did went up to London for a big award ceremony and, and won. So, um, yeah, so it was, it, I'm you know, thankful for her for really just saying, no, that's not good enough. Go again. And being like really angry at the time. But actually, it, it was the best thing anyone could have said. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Sometimes you need that feedback, don't you? you know, mm-hmm. And to, to be told. Yeah, a series of yeses is, is detrimental to anyone's growth in whatever they do, I think. Yeah, indeed. It makes the no that much harder, doesn't it? It makes the fall that much further as well. Yeah, so. yeah. And then I guess in terms of what I did um, to get my first job, I actually took that award win and I emailed lots and lots of companies asking for an internship. And as you can imagine, Every agency in the planet gets a, you know, a barrage of emails from people saying, you know, are you looking for interns and from people at the graduates at the end, you know, hundreds of people. And um, I wasn't getting much response. And so I thought, ah, I'll change it because the DNAD do not just a student award, but they do a business award. And again, for businesses, it's very coveted. So I changed the title of my email to be DNAD award winner. (laughs) And nice. then, and then, only once they'd open the email would they see that it was the email from an intern who who's looking for an internship. And that got the got the opens and the and the responses I needed. So finally, I used the the clickbait <laughs> approach to get some responses. It was legitimate. It's part of your pitch, exactly. You know, and, and and based on facts, uh, they were probably as surprised as anybody that somebody looking for an an internship had won one of those awards yeah yeah it was um it certainly opened a lot of doors for me and and got my you know got my foot in the into the agency world albeit a series of in those early days it was six months of different opportunities all working for free or for a sandwich at that time things have changed a lot now there there people get paid properly but yeah to to get that experience and build build up that momentum and try and get my first job that's brilliant. So then you went on, of course, you, as you, you mentioned earlier, you had your you had your first job. And then what happened after that? So after my first job, I moved over to a bigger company um, who actually don't exist anymore. They, they merged with some some other big agencies, but the big agency called The Partners. Uh, and I moved over to there because it was a bigger company. It was very well established, very well recognised internationally. And just the fact that having, you know, bigger clients, bigger teams, and, you know, I was really excited by that prospect. So I worked there for a probably, had a probably a, a dreamy stretch of about four months. And then um, something in my life happened that fundamentally changed everything around me. And that was my father dying quite suddenly at the age of 65. And at that, this time I was 27. And 
yeah, I just, it just changed everything. So in terms of how it changed everything, it changed my whole perspective on life. It made me realise that you have, life could be really short and that you really, really have to make the most of it. And, and before he died, I always had this big vision of, you know, setting up my own agency. It had always been my dream, but I thought it was going to be much later. I thought it was going to be, you know, you know my 40s when I'd had a, you know, really established career and I'd built up my seniority and then I decided to take the plunge. But actually him him dying at that point in my life was was kind of really just 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 woke me up to be like, why, why wait? Why, why am I holding back from this? And, and so I decided to, to go for it. So much to the new agency's sort of shock, I guess, you know, and, and, and they were very, you know, uh, understanding. They said, you know, we understand that you want to move on, but, you know, if you, if you change your mind, you know, you can come back. But I was quite certain on the fact that it wasn't right for me to be there and that I needed to sort of go alone. But the first thing I needed to do was just to stop. So when you're a creative, you kind of pour your your heart and soul into it. You need to constantly be thinking about stuff and imagining different outcomes. And, you know, the very art of creativity is, is, is really can be quite draining. And so the first thing I needed to do was just to take a little bit of a break. Um, so I just took some time out and I just sort of quick design. And I even thought of like, maybe I, maybe design's, Maybe I don't want to do design anymore. Maybe it's too much for me. And um, really what happened is I, I found myself sort of designing just as a, as a hobby, you know, as something to do um, as, as the day passed. And I thought, actually, this is ridiculous. It actually is, is my calling. I, <laughs> I can't hide from this. This is what I want to do. So rather than get a job, because at the time I thought I'm still a bit, I, I just wasn't, I, did, I didn't feel like I was in the right headspace to go and I felt it would be unfair to a company to hire me at that point when I still didn't really have my head straight. You know, it was, I was still in a bit of a shock. This is sort of four months post um, my dad dying. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just, perhaps I'm not ready to go back to an agency. Perhaps I need to just do something on my own first and interestingly, I thought, right, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll go freelance or, you know, maybe I'll just pick up a couple of my own clients and see how it goes. And so I kind of had the guts to start reaching out to people and doing that. And I, I quickly got my first client, which was the Riding House Cafe. I don't know if anyone's aware of it in, in um, Fitzrovia in the centre of London. Yeah, I've, we had a lovely breakfast there once. <laughs> yeah, really lovely. Yeah, so they were looking for branding designers. So I kind of, you know, showed my portfolio and 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 they were happy to kind of work with me. So so off I went and started that project. And then a little while later, you know, we're talking weeks here, I then got another lead, which was for Waltham Forest College in East London, needed some work doing you know, potentially just a small project doing some designs for some um, gra- wall graphics. And uh, when I went in and, you know, I had a bit of a tour of the college and looked around and I sort of said to them, really, I think what you need is you, you need to look at your brand. You need to look at something that's going to unite you, you. At the moment, you haven't got anything that kind of, you know, really emphasises your values or what you believe in or why you're different. And I can come in and do these wall graphics, which is fine, but it feels like there's a you know, it's worth investing in a bigger piece here because there's a lot of disconnection throughout the college and throughout your collateral. And it's and it actually looks a bit dated. So they, they listened to me and, um, I did, and then they turned it into a pitch um, and I went in and, and pitched and won that work. So I was suddenly like, oh, this is like a, this isn't actually an agency. Like, what if I turbo boost fast forward my dream of you know bring the 40 year old self that I had in my head into my 28 year old body (laughs) so um that's kind of what I did and I thought right okay let's set up an agency what's my name and and for me it it came instantly that the name had to be Nala my dad's name was Alan spelt with two l's and and it was Nala was Alan backwards. So instantly there was this connection 
to this change in my life that had happened because of one person and it's not what he gave me when he lived but it's also what he gave me when he died so um it sort of that that was the right name for me um and and I just went hell for leather on right this is this is what I'm going to do now this is my company yeah I I love it Vicky and the, the way that you've used all that negativity and, and, and turned it into a positive. I never knew that about your brand name. Um, I, you know, although we've, we've spoken a few times, I wasn't aware of that at all. So it's, it's absolutely beautiful the way that you've, you've done that and how, you know, how, how you, t- you took that time out. And, and clearly when you were just, you know, doodling or whatever you, you were doing in your spare time, that was the acid test, wasn't it? In many ways to say, mm-hmm. you know, whether that, that was the right, direction for you to go in because uh, I think if if that's what you chose to do when you could have literally done anything or nothing uh then then clearly it it was absolutely the right thing for you to continue and uh, and what momentum you, you you built up as well in in those early days just getting getting the first client I say I, I know that cafe I think it's it's a beautiful place but Srovia is my favorite part of London and uh yeah I, you know we, we we know that fairly well <laughs> and uh yeah how you know how you took that forwards and 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 the Walton Forest one, I uh, say, you clearly gave them the idea, but but then you still had to had to pitch. It wasn't as if yeah, here we go, and there's the work. You still had to provide a pitch against competition. I, mm. I guess from what you've said there. Yeah, that's quite common in 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 our world. You can you can identify a challenge for a client, but they they often whether it's due to procurement rules and regulations like we have to go out to three different agencies to make sure that you know there's a fair price and a fair approach or whether it's just to validate the fact that you know I think what you're saying is right but you know we just want to be sure we want to hear from some other people so it's quite common and quite often you know even right now you know doing a delicate dance with with one potential future customer where you know I've been speaking to them since October so you've got to really have that grit and gruel about you to, you know, we obviously um, now six months later, still still not there. Um, and, and they actually, you know, have, have gone out twice because the, their CMO left. So I had one conversation with one CMO and, and got down to the final two agencies. And now um, that CMO left and then we've got another CMO. So then it goes back out to another three agencies um to to get validated again so there is a almost this constant sort of new business delicate dance around you know giving people ideas but also them needing to sort of validate that you know do they trust you are you might be a great idea but are you the right person to deliver it yeah indeed and having that that tender process I, i think it's absolutely key isn't it um you know and businesses will have their ethics and that they'll have a system in place to determine exactly how they go out to tender and how many um, candidates they would need to hear from before they before they go forward so so yeah you could do all that all that work you could give them the the challenge as you, as you put it and identify that for them do six months worth of of kind of relationship building and and putting a whole proposal and then you could get nothing at the end of it exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a key part of business isn't it you know I remember with, with my wife's jewelry business in the early days you know there didn't seem to be any momentum and then suddenly it clicks where you've got um, you've got those clients that you've been kind of building the relationship with for several months and then you have new ones you know at the start of the process and then once you get to the time where you've you've got that far with one client then other ones are kind of moving along um you know the the, the system and, and clearly some people will decide not to work with you and that's just, that's just kind of the way it is but i think that's it's a great moment where you've got you know enough leads that you can be confident that 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 work will continue and and that mm-hmm. you're, you're doing the right things that, that that you know work will will come in but of course, that's not it's not always the case. And I know something that's that's very important to you is 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 cash flow and and having you know that that money in the business. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how cash flow has helped you, especially in the early days of of your business. Yeah, sure. So I guess in terms of starting a business, I am very aware of the luxury I had that I could start a business with me and a laptop um and and a kitchen table and and you know it's very cliche but I actually was on the kitchen table 
for the first best part of eight months in the beginning. And the the what the kind of real benefit of that is essentially that you can be um, working in this kind of really low overhead. You know, no loans are required. You know, you can you can start it and and see how it goes, which is very much the case with me. But because we kind of grew relatively quickly in terms of um, help, so. I probably worked on my own just for six months and then I realised that I needed some support. And so what I did, I hired a series of interns, paid them um, a sort of graduate uh, wage and and I could have them sitting at my home working on some concepts or polishing up some artwork while I could go out and do the client meetings. And by doing that, I was able to build up a little bit of a pot and my ultimate aim was to 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 get a studio because it was a bit like I can only really work from home for so long. You know, I wanted I was quite keen to look like a credible business and quite keen to have an office just to sort of break that monotony from being at home. And in fact, I yeah. even used to get up, get changed into work gear, walk around the block, and then come back in the house as if it was my office and get cracking. So it was kind of building up to to get that first sort of space really and my first space was renting a couple of desks with some other friends from from university who were starting a animation studio and and sort of sharing and then there was a couple of freelancers who were looking for desks as well and it was very much a sort of collaborative space with us all renting desks and and working from there and in terms of in terms of cash I've always just been very careful in aware that you know things are going great right now but what if um what if the leads dry up what if something changes um what if we you know need need a bit of cash as a bit of buffer so right from the beginning I always set aside a, a buffer of survival money I guess um so that there was something there for a rainy day and I and I still do that to this day I always make sure that we've got you know a, a percentage of of our overheads actually it's based on a percentage of our overheads just um, tucked away in a bank account somewhere just for kind of weathering the storm and for a while we didn't need it and I didn't actually need anything set up the business in 2010 and I didn't actually need that until 2018 when some hard times did come and thank god I had that cash because if we didn't it, it would have taken us under big style. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful. And then since 2018, we've just been focused on building that back up. And actually, the the, the chunk that it took was, you know, in balance of, of what we had in the bucket was probably about half to um, get us out of a bit of a sticky spot, a, a very large cancelled project. And, and, and unfortunately, a series of redundancies that happened to help us weather that storm. And thank God I had it. Because at the time I was also heavily pregnant, <laughs> so it was an interesting time, <laughs> to say the least. Like a London bus, isn't it? All these things come along at once. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember the first time that you know when we when we first spoke about cash flow and how how important that is. Uh, when when I interviewed you for the book, it was before COVID hit, mm-hmm. and, and and clearly you know the the cash flow uh, for for many businesses would have made the difference you know in mm. in the last year or so you know whether mm. you, if you if you had it or you didn't when all these unexpected changes happened to to businesses so i i think the that advice and and that that approach um is is so key um but it, it's about getting it right in in the good times isn't it so that it's so that it's there you know the whole feast or famine thing you know it's it, it's it could be easy to overlook you know but you have to you have to fix the roof you know when it's uh when it's not raining, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's quite interesting because I think we almost, from from a business perspective, we almost like, you know, I look back and it was like almost naively had such a long run of 20% year growth, pretty much year on year, it was solid. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh God, there's no, there's no growth this year. It's not just no growth, there's actually like a decline in turnover. And it was a real shock to the system and yeah having that cash just really really helped but it's also was a really steep learning curve in the world of business and actually there are peaks and troughs there there are good times and hard times as there are in life 
And, um, you know, it really opened my eyes to be like, well, thank God I had that pragmatic idea from the beginning, but also a bit like, you know, it's not disaster when you have a bad year, um, which at the time it really felt like it was, you know, I I took it very personally, but actually that's just, that's just life. And it's about what you learn from it and what, what you pivot to do instead that will make sure that that never happens again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. And I, I think it's a, it's, it's a great way to be and in order to take that forwards and, you know, be in a position where you can adjust and, and have the, the the space to adjust and then then to look forwards. So um, in, in terms of planning, I know you, you've always, you know, looked looked ahead and, and tried to have a long term plan. So mm-hmm. in, in terms of have those goals and, and, and things to reach in, in future. So how has that benefited you? I think for me, it's, I think having a goal just gives that sense of grounding that target in the future. I I do believe in affirmations. So I do, I do very much believe we live in a world where if, if you want it and you envision it, you can make it happen. And I do believe anyone can do anything. So I was kind of by having a big grandiose vision, but also bite size um, kind of targets closer to hand it's really good at kind of propelling you on and and rather than just kind of aimlessly kind of saying, all right, I want to grow, actually having a real fixed destination. So for me, a big part of it was um, our own office. Um, so the first bit was like share a desk in a friend's office. The next thing was um, have our own office within a kind of community building. And the next step for me after that was having our own front door. And it was taking it in those kind of steps was was really important for me but it's quite interesting because obviously covid's changed changed that quite a lot for me well changed it very very much <laughs> because um i kind of i've always envisioned the steps of the business to be aligned with how many staff i have how much turnover i have and and how big is the office space now, COVID's completely transformed that. So we were kind of, you know, the business built up from, you know, to, to having its own front door. So 20, I think it was, uh, might have been 2018, just before we had our blip. Um, I just signed a lease to a really beautiful, big studio, uh, split level, um, loved it in the heart of Shoreditch. And for, for me, it's kind of like, basically was renting a space that was way bigger than we needed because it was a bit like well I'm going to fill it with people so it's a kind of like if they build it they will come type <laughs> uh, scenario and actually the reality was is we never did fill it uh, we cut our lease we were able to exit the break clause in December because of Covid and it completely changed my perspective on what it was to have have a premises and, and what it was to to see that as a sense of achievement. Because I'd focused so much on taking these steps towards this, you know, bigger bricks and mortar, essentially. And uh, when COVID hit and I was like, actually, this is too big for us. The team don't want to come in every day anymore. They want to have this hybrid working. So actually, why are we carrying this debt? But it was immensely hard for me to give those keys back to the landlord. My God, on the last day I, I went there and I had to just check the building just to make sure that it was okay before we vacated, you know, it was clean and everything. We need to take down some final signage. And after the signage removal guys left, I absolutely sobbed my heart out because I was giving back the keys, which for me, that was like giving back, back a bit of the vision, giving back a bit of the dream. And um, a lot of my team were like, why are you so connected to this building? And and it, and it was kind of through that process, it made me realise that actually I was kind of really measuring the business the success on how many staff we had and, and how big was our office. Whereas, you know, now I've completely changed that approach. And it's a lot more about, are we working with clients that we want to work with? You know, are we profitable? But are we happy? And how can we have a really good work-life balance, all of us? So it's, you know, COVID's, COVID's given us some positives as well as some negatives. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and what an adjustment as well as, uh, you know, how to, how, how to move the, the, the shape of the business and, the, and how you've done that in order to make it, you know, about 
the outputs necessarily rather than you know the the physical side of things as well so what you know what a wonderful angle that you've you've taken on it now to move things forwards yeah it's it's really it's really changed hasn't it um really changed and i think i think it's i think it's going to impact everyone i think that's one of the the key things i've learned along the way is that you you have to be able to pivot like the world changed so fast around us you know if it wasn't the pandemic it would be something else you know a, a big client you know pulling out of a project or i don't know me going on maternity leave even you know you have to constantly pivot in business and i think that's what I feel like life is constantly teaching me at the moment to be like, be flexible, pivot, you know, what was right isn't right for tomorrow and, and to be comfortable with that and actually is a bit scary, but um, it's fine and it will work out and just keep adapting. Otherwise, you're just going to die a death and be like Blockbuster who didn't pivot at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And many others, many mm. others that we we kind of saw coming for many years and just thinking why aren't they adapting why aren't they going digital you know why mm. why aren't they filling this space so no, absolutely it's brilliant well thank you so much vicky uh for, for sharing your story uh there, there's four questions that i ask every guest at the end of the show uh but there's going to be an extra question today because we haven't really touched on on branding and and why that's important for a new business and, and indeed the level of branding that is relevant or appropriate for a new business. So I'd love for you to give us a, a couple of minutes on branding and, and exactly what a new business should think about doing and, and how indeed they can do it. Sure. So, um, yeah, as a, as a branding expert, you know, as, as most people would guess, I'm going to be a big, a big advocate of, of branding and, and the power it has <laughs> it is immense. So it, it's really a lot of people firstly misunderstand branding and they kind of think see it as a logo but actually um Jeff Bezos says it brilliantly that says a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room and I and I really do believe that so it is something that you absolutely have to invest in 100% and it and it is the thing that's going to really um not just help cement what employees you hire and what they believe in and 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 how how the culture of the business is but also right out back into your kind of customers about what attracts them is this a product or service that's right for them and why and how you communicate that and do you look modern and relevant um there's no point in well i guess today you wouldn't turn up into a job interview in your kind of shorts flip-flops and string vest you turn up in you know smart attire that's suitable and and brands need to do exactly the same thing but obviously in 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 a slightly different world so it is really key but I see again and again entrepreneurs very early stages who have a you know great idea they're all gung-ho and they're like this is going to work this is going to work and actually the, the the branding investing in brand is is an important step and it's also an expensive step so my kind of ask to them is really make sure that you've got a really viable business that, um, you know, you've got evidence that this will work. You understand your market. You've got, you know, some sort of MVP. You've tested that this, you know, there is a need for this and that uh, there is a desire for this out in the world. Um, and only then, once you're really sure, then invest in in branding and and don't get you know best mate to do it because they were good at art at school you know get someone professional this whole different raft of agencies and freelance designers to support different budgets but in those early days don't burn a whole load of energy and time in trying to get this perfect brand before you've even really cemented on what's your product offering you know are there customers out there who want to buy from you and, and doing those first early sales even? It's about approaching in a lean and agile way. And, and once you're ready, then then do invest and do invest properly. And 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 don't try and sort of oh, I see I see a lot of people trying to sort of scrimp on on it and therefore the impact is lost. So it's a kind of, you know, you've got to choose the time that's right for you and then almost go all in. Um, and it's, it's about getting that balance is key. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it can be tricky as well mm. to, 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 to get that balance, can't it, in terms of 
you know, getting the, the right details and having something that attracts the right type of customer, I think. Yeah, yeah. And the, the amount of, you know, I do get quite a few emails, probably a couple a week, when, you know, examples are, you know, I'm thinking about setting up my own jewellery business and I want a brand. Well, first of all, danger word, thinking. <laughs> You're thinking about, not I'm going to. And often in the early conversations where entrepreneurs get really caught up is, you know, when I say, well, who is this for? Who, who's your who's your audience? Have you done any customer persona work on terms of who is your customer? Where do they shop? Where do they buy? What 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 are they interested in? What other brands do they buy? What's their age demographic? Um, you know, are they going to be, you know, on Facebook or are they going to be on LinkedIn or where do they hang out? What are your key competitors in this space? You know, if you, you know, you can do a lot of work that you you know, work yourself and that from the early stages of, you know, setting up your business to, to really get that pinned down um, before you start thinking about, okay, what do I look like? And, you know, how do I talk to those people? You really need those foundations and um, set first and, and there's a lot that you can do yourself yeah I love it and 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 so much that can as you say can be done and can really give that clarity before you would invest in an agency um, mm. say as, as you say when it's the right time I think that's a really key point you know to, to get that timing right to say okay we've proved the business model mm-hmm. where we're getting some traction but in order to take the next step we need to do this much like with your office uh, and your office space and, and going, you know, from the shared office to having your own front door and it, all, all of those steps along the way, but doing things at the right time and, and knowing that, okay, we've now proved the model. Let's, let's get our brand spot on so we can take, take the next step. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that identifying that next step um, is, is absolutely key. Thank you so much, uh, Vicky. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, so what's what was your one best piece of advice be for somebody thinking about starting their own business today? I've used that danger word there, uh, but <laughs> but it might but it might it might be relevant in this case. So, if if someone's not quite there, yeah. uh, but they're they're thinking about starting their own business, then what what would you say to them? I would say in the early days, I genuinely think that the only thing stopping you is you. And I certainly found that with setting up my business that actually it's you've got to have that belief in yourself and that belief in yourself and that drive in yourself to be able to do it. And then you can achieve it. So I think if you're kind of considering about it, thinking about it, then how can you do this in a safe way that maybe isn't going to be like throwing yourself all in you know is there a way you know how can you you know if, if money's a challenge then you know do you run it as a side project you know alongside your other job is it that you save up some money and decide to be like right I'm going to go for this for four four months and, and see where it takes me and it's about that belief in yourself so that you know yes anything's possible I believe and anyone can do anything and it's often often the person that thinks oh I can't that gets in their way and stops them from being able to achieve so it's sort of getting over that and and the way to get over that is to can you break it up into smaller steps so that you're not freaking yourself out <laughs> yeah that's the thing isn't it as well because it can be it, it can be overwhelming it can be too daunting mm. so, so to have those small steps and to know you know exactly what the right step is at the right time and to push some other things you know six months down the road or whatever it may be then that certainly helps to yeah, definitely give that confidence yeah and I think your book is great at kind of setting up that framework for people too so it's a bit you know can be big and scary but actually if you, if you break it down into into small interlinked tasks you're like wow I'm doing it <laughs> yeah that's the thing and that was that was part of the idea behind it was to say you know let's take a look at this and know that I'm going to do that in 18 months time or whatever it mm. may be but just just considering it you know and there are so many small steps in the book but just to just to consider it and know that it's not for now um, is a success, you know, mm-hmm. and, that, and that is that you've achieved what you need to do with that now without needing to think about it for however long it may be before it does become relevant. So. So, yeah, it's uh, thank you for thank you for bringing that up, because I, I think it is a, a key part of every of every journey. So what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started your business? Um, so for me, my 
biggest learning through having the whole business has been um, that classic well-known phrase of don't have too many eggs in one basket and that was what tripped us up in our 2018 uh, challenging year and really that related to we had a big customer that was I think when I did the analysis was 60% of our business at the time and we had a contract with them that promised you know more work but all of a sudden that project got pulled the whole thing got parked there's a big company who were kind of basically completely changed the whole approach to this project and so kind of lesson I've definitely learned the hard way that you know not to have any customer over 20% of your business to keep that balance so that if if one of you know if they happen to you know something changes and they happen to you know, project comes to an end or something happens to them, you know, and they have to sort of can the project or take a different tact for whatever reason, they're not pulling you down with it. Um, so yeah, don't have any customer over 20% of your business would be my, I wish I <laughs> knew at the start, definitely. Yeah. And, and, and again, an amazing suggestion and, and advice there. And I'm sure there's people listening that have uh, potentially, you know, have, more than 60% invested in one client as well so it's uh that that doesn't necessarily strike me as being completely unusual in, no. in terms of the position that you found yourself in so so yeah some some work to do certainly and uh, to, to get that balance right so. yeah and also don't beat yourself up in the early days you know obviously your first couple of clients are going to be pretty weighty in terms of what you're doing um or a couple of customers you know you might have a major supplier foot into i don't know tesco for example and you haven't got your distribution networks elsewhere or you might have one and you might be a sort of more of a um, consultancy type business like ourselves where you know the first couple of projects of course you're going to have that so don't beat yourself up but try as much as you can to quickly get into that even keel where you're not so reliant on that one supplier or one customer yeah that's that's brilliant isn't it and it's constant improvement so it, it will you know by default yeah. start with 100 mm. and then it will it will move move downwards so but a, a great aim in order to get to that position where the the business is, is robust and and indeed diversified potentially having clients in different markets or whatever so if, if one market goes badly then you know the, the others aren't going to go the same way so no brilliant so is, is there a, a resource so a, a book a podcast a website anything that you think will be be useful for people at the very start of their journey in terms of um this i would recommend a book now i've not read it for a while but when i read this book it was a bit of a game changer for me in terms of you know setting up a business as sole founder and trying to wear multiple hats and do multiple things and that book is, um, and people might have heard of it, but it's called E-Myth. And the subtitle is Why Most Small Businesses Fail and What to Do About It. It's by Michael Gerber. And um, I've actually read this book, I think, about three times. And I've actually bought it for other people that I've met who were thinking about starting up their own business. And, and for me, it just really opened my eyes to what it's like at the beginning stages of your business where you're trying to do everything and how you need to, how to pass on tasks so that you're not always doing everything. And yeah, I found it really insightful and a really good book. It's an, it's an oldie, but a goodie. Yeah, well, those, those ones that are timeless and improved themselves over a number of years are, are, the, are the stickers, aren't they? They're, mm. the, they're the ones that stay. So yeah, no, fantastic suggestion. Thank you. And, and is there a guest uh, that you'd recommend for a future episode of the show? Uh, yeah, I do actually. So he's actually um, a client of ours, and well, maybe an ex-client. We've 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 done our project with him, and his product Natia is out there in the wild. Um, and his name's John Merlot, and he runs now Natia. Now Natia is a really interesting brand in the sense that it's a app that's specifically designed to help bring well-being into people who are suffering from illness. So the um, sort of MVP approach um, to his brand has been focused on people with cancer and he's paired up with the Maggie Centre. And it's about how you can bring mindful practices to help you cope with cancer. So within there, there's um, kind of sound therapy, there's meditation guidance for people with different levels of um, wellness and inspiring and interesting content 
and also the ability to connect with other sufferers. So A, I think it's a great product and the world needs more of these um, businesses that are to help people and really bring a balance between the physical self and the kind of the, the mind, uh, mindful self um, to create harmony in the body. And he's also just a really lovely guy. So. No, that's great. Thank you so much. I'd, I'd love to speak with John and to, to get him on the show. And uh, I, I think the the way that technology, you know, has evolved and, and enables that kind of work now and, and the opportunity to make things better um, is is a wonderful thing, you know, on, on, on many levels, uh, you know, from what you've said there in terms of connecting people up and, and offering that level of support and, and just to make the day, you know, that bit better, um, I, I think is a wonderful thing. So no, great suggestion. Thank you. And, and just finally, then, if people would like to get in touch with you and find out more about, about you and your company, what, what should they do? Uh, so your best bet is probably our website, um, which shows um, our kind of approach and some of the past projects that we've worked on, both small and large. So you can find that on nala.co.uk. Um, and equally, drop me an email. So um, always love meeting new people and, and speaking to new people as well. So my email address is vicky v-i-c-k-i at nyla.co.uk that's great well thank you so much vicky uh it's been it's been wonderful speaking with you today uh it's a longer episode uh so <laughs> there was really nothing no, nothing to cut down so uh so thank you thank you so much uh for sharing your story and and your great advice as well so it's been brilliant speaking with you today thank you i hope you enjoyed today's episode vicky shared so much covering so many scenarios but what really resonated with me is the platform for success that she built from the outset from winning the major industry award. Having a big goal in mind and taking small steps towards it is so key towards making it happen. Equally, the way she put money away for a rainy day proved so vital. Reflecting on this by accepting that peaks and troughs are natural parts of the business journey, but also suggesting how you can mitigate them by diversifying your business and reducing your reliance on a particular client. I think it's brilliant advice. If this episode has inspired you to start your own business, start today with my three-minute quiz at robco.co.uk forward slash quiz. On next week's episode, I speak with founder of ZigZag Global, Al Geary, on going full circle. So subscribe now to get notified of this on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.